0: Hello everyone, this is episode 740 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, October 2nd, 2020. I'm your host, Mark Kriznez, and today I'll be talking about Bartlow's Dread Machine, Little Big Workshop, Inertial Drift, Port Royale 4, Cook Serve Delicious 3, and Active Neurons 2. And I'm probably going to get right to what I've been playing because while there probably was some news and probably some big news nothing stands out at least nothing that i can remember people have come out with their series x impressions and the ssd it, it it's a fast as we all expected obviously but what i think i'm most looking forward to regarding the ssd is the speed at which the ui and the os is going to run and how snappy everything is going to be because a terabyte is not that much and you're definitely going to have to pick and choose what you want to have on there. So for me I'm assuming that I might pick some standards or at least standard games that I know have really bad load times because for me load times aren't something that I am that conscious of unless it's a game where you die a lot and have to wait a significant amount of time to reload the latest save. Or games that have very long load time, so I think anything 30 seconds and under, for like at the initial load or whatever, doesn't bother me if it is 30 seconds to fast travel somewhere also, doesn't bother me too much, once you go past that, it gets problematic uh, one of the games I can think of is the Forza games in general, those take a long time to boot up, but I think once you're in game, it's not too bad, so Those are games i look at and be like, do I want to use this space to significantly decrease that initial load time? Or do I want to save that space for games where I'll be loading much more frequently? So I'm not sure how I'm going to handle that. But seeing how fast things load in general just makes me want that expandable storage, which I hate because I'm definitely not spending $220 on that. Anywhere near launch, given how much else I'm getting, it just doesn't make sense. And also, in realistic terms, the expandable storage for everyone, outside of maybe the Series S, is something that no one needs. It would be nice to have, but you don't need it. You can offload games onto a regular external hard drive, which would be fine and, and would work fine. And and the speed at which you can transfer files ranged between, I think six and 12 minutes depending on the 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 size of it so it's not too long to wait for a game to be playable and of course you only need to play games off the ssd if they are specifically series x s games Uh, but if you want that increased speed and load times and all that then you will also have to put it on there but uh yeah i'm just I'm really excited for next gen to get here in two weeks. I'll be getting the Oculus Quest 2, which I'm super excited about. So I am just in full on excitement mode, which is nice because I'm not somebody who is usually excited about stuff. You won't see me visibly excited and it may not sound like I'm too excited just totally with my voice and everything. But I'm I'm pretty damn excited about next gen and getting these new gadgets and toys in my hands. But uh, yeah, that is pretty much it in terms of news and tangents. So let's just get on to what I've been playing right away. So first and foremost, I'll be talking about Bartlow's Dread Machine, which is a twin-stick shooter, I guess you'd say, except it's a little different in the way it controls and all that. In that. So the way Bartlow's Dread Machine is set up is that you're basically this mechanical pop-up character on a set track. And it's 2.5D, I guess you'd say-ish. But the way it works is that, like I said, you're on a track and you can only move on this track and there will be plenty of points where it diverges and you can make a turn or whatever. Think of it like Pac-Man and the way you are only able to navigate through these very specific paths there'll be points where you can turn and all that jazz but you're you're stuck to this very specific space and that is the way it is set up so you are like this pop-up metal character attached to a pin or whatever underneath the table imagine it's a table and you can move the character along these designated lines and while i like that idea i think Bartlow's Dread Machine has so much style. It looks great, and it has really good lighting, which I don't really talk about lighting that much, but I was surprised by how nice the lighting is. It really adds to the atmosphere and the mood, especially in certain levels where they want to make it not so much scary, but give you that kind of, ooh, it's a little bit spooky type of vibe. So I love the, the look of it, but the problem is having this whole setup, and this very unique style of play means it doesn't actually feel that great to control. So you are using the right analog sticks to aim and shoot your your guns, but navigating through these spaces is incredibly finicky, and it's so easy to miss a point where you want to turn off and go down a specific lane, a specific path, even if you're not trying to avoid enemies and you're just trying to move in general without anything that is there pushing you forward because you you don't want to get attacked or whatever it just doesn't work anywhere near as consistently as it should and i don't know how you get around that i thought to myself maybe an option where you because between every intersecting point or every turn or whatever you basically have like a little circle there that is i guess you'd call it a notch or whatever i thought to myself Maybe if there was a control set up that if you pushed in a direction, the character would just automatically go to the next point in that direction and then stop, and then you could push in another direction or something like that. But then I thought to myself, well, that probably wouldn't be anywhere near as fluid as you would need it to be in order to navigate the space when enemies are coming at you from all directions and stuff like that. So I thought maybe it would be possible, I don't know, if just there was an ever so slight pause when you hit one of those points that gave you that very brief moment to just say, yeah, I want to continue going in the direction I was going, or I want to turn in one of these other directions. I don't know, but the way it is currently set up, it just doesn't feel that great. The shooting is okay. You have a base pistol that you always have, and then you can carry two other weapons. You have a, a rifle to start with, and then probably makes sense to pick up a shotgun initially but there are a lot of upgrades so you collect money every time you kill enemies the the enemy will disappear after a pretty short period of time but you're always collecting money and you can use that money to purchase new upgrades in terms of new weapons and new outfits for your characters so you get hats that make you shoot faster new jackets that'll give you a little bit extra health and pants that will make it so that you can avoid melee attacks a little bit better and stuff like that, which is nice. Though I think based on how much currency you get per level, it definitely incentivizes replaying levels to grind for that money because you don't get anywhere near that much money to actually buy a lot of things. So I think you'll probably want to replay levels, but ultimately it just isn't that much fun to play. I, I fought a few bosses too, which were not too bad. There are... A lot of checkpoints in the level, which is nice. And plenty of points where you can refill your ammunition and refill your health. And and at times, the game will change perspective. I think there was a point where it locked me to a plane. And then enemies from the distance just came at me. And some would pop up with guns and shoot at me. And then ones who were melee only would be coming at me from both sides. Which was interesting. And there was a point where they pulled the camera out to an over-the-top view. And it turned into a more traditional twin-stick shooter. Though it's still locked you on those specific points you can you not move around freely or anything so it, it does some interesting things and like i said it looks fantastic it has such a great style a great aesthetic great lighting like i like so much about this game i just wish i enjoyed playing it as much as i like every other aspect of it pretty much it's got a Decent enough story going along with it or whatever, and the music is solid. It just it just isn't as fun to play as I wish it was. It's okay. It's something that you can definitely have fun with, but it just it could have been something really, really great, and it's just okay, which is a bummer because I think it has so many good things going for it, and just the the key thing: playability, fun factor, game pro magazine. My face would be like, eh you know, I wanted my I want my face to be exploding, but it's just like yeah, it's it's uh it's fine. And then I played some little big workshop, which is a management sim game. That's what you call these, right? It's a game where you are managing a little but big workshop, where you are creating different items for people, so you can create tables, chairs, toys, etc. And you could do these based off of market research. You see what is in demand and what is not in demand, what pays out really well and stuff like that. Or you can take on challenges, very specific things that are like, okay, I want you to make me these and I need it done by this amount of time and do it that way as well. If you go to the market, you can take as much time as you need to complete a job, which is nice, but at certain points, things will go off the market so you can't be just very willy-nilly about it all. And... I like the game, but it's a big, but I well, one, I think it is very easy once you get the hang of things and figure out how everything works. It is a very easy and less stressful. One of these types of games, which is nice. And I, I always appreciate when they have these types of games and there are more accessible options, like in this case, little big workshop. However, I don't think the game is great in terms of accessibility in the sense that it doesn't do a good job of telling you what you need to complete certain jobs. For instance, there was a case where I had to get a new machine in order to complete this job. Because uh, this is the thing that probably bothers me the most about this game, is that if you find something on the market and you're like, okay, this is in high demand, I want to make this because I'm going to make a lot of money off this. Okay, I'm ready to go you get into the whole setup because you, the way building all these products works is that you pick something you want to build and then you go into the planning stage. And when you're in the planning stage, you pick the materials you want to use and then you set up what machine you will use to build these parts and so on until you get to the point where like, okay, you put all this stuff together and then you initiate that plan and just let your workers go. So you'll set up everything like this part I want you to build on this machine and I want this one to work on this machine. If you have this billboard in your shop, you can attach that to multiple machines so that you're more efficient with your work and doing multiple jobs at the same time. But the problem is when you are in the planning stage and say you select a certain material or not selecting a material, you are selecting a certain part you will use in your construction of whatever the item is, say you're making a chair and you decide to add metal legs instead of wood legs. Once you select that object, the metal legs, You can't change it. And if you don't have a machine that is capable of making metal legs, you're just screwed. You can't do anything about it. You can't cancel that planning stage and restart over. You can't say, I don't want to use these legs anymore. I want to go to wood legs. Like if that is an option, I couldn't find out how to do it. I was pressing every button, trying to figure out any way to do that. So that basically means you're locked into that specific plan with those specific pieces and parts until you're able to get one of those machines that is capable of doing this. Now, the problem is I may have been able to make this chair with the available tools and not so much tools available workstations I would be able to purchase. However, when I got to the point where it said, okay, attach this roll to a workstation, it said "Buy the correct workstation for this, It then sent me to the store, but it didn't send me to the correct workstation. It just sent me to the store and I had to figure it out. And it doesn't really give you any idea of whether or not this station will work with what you need. Because I saw that there is a visual icon that was associated with this metalwork thing I had to do or whatever. And I found a workstation. One, I already had a workstation that apparently had that same logo, but that couldn't work with this. And I found another station... And I bought that one, but that, again, didn't work with it. So the game doesn't do a great job of telling you what station you need in cases like that. I think once you figure out exactly what station does what, the game will be a nice, relaxing breeze of an experience. Because I don't think... I can't see how this game could get to the point where it's so difficult. Maybe you're losing a lot of money or shit like that. But it just initially does not do a great job of onboarding you and telling you everything you really need to know and and just being very helpful in the initial phase which is a bummer but if you like games like this and understand that going in that you'll have to figure things out on your own or do some googling you could enjoy it but for me it just got really frustrating because i i wasn't sure what machine i needed to do for these parts and i couldn't change it i think more so than the game not explaining what exactly I needed in terms of the workstation, the fact that I couldn't change my plan was the most annoying and frustrating part of it because it just doesn't make sense. If I'm planning something out and I haven't started the actual building phase of it, if I haven't said, workers, start doing this. like I, I don't have this workstation ready yet, but I have these ones. Start doing this part of the job. I don't understand why I can't just say, well, I changed my mind. I just want to do wood legs. I know I can do woodwork. I know I can do it really well. I have workers who are proficient in it, but you just can't do that. But again, if you get past that, or if you don't end up finding that an issue when you play it, then I think it'll be a pretty good time. Then Inertial Drift is a drifting game. I bet you weren't expecting that. And the way it controls is what makes it unique. Unlike a lot of games that have drifting in them, I don't know if there are that many games that are specifically about drifting, but in this game, you are driving and controlling your vehicle like usual. Uh, And I'm playing on Xbox One. I'm playing all these games on Xbox One, just to be clear. You accelerate with the right trigger, and then you move with the left analog stick, but instead of pressing a handbrake button and then turning in order to drift, You just use the right analog stick to initiate drifting, which is an interesting and unique way to handle drifting. And I like it. However, the thing that kills inertial drift and just makes it boring way faster than it should be is that there is no strong feedback when you're drifting. And what I mean by this is that think of Mario Kart and the way that game handles drifting. When you are drifting, after a certain amount of time, sparks will come out of your tires. And then if you continue drifting, bigger sparks will come out. And when you stop drifting, you'll get that nice boost. That is satisfying. That's what makes drifting so satisfying in those games. Of course, it also helps in gameplay and helping you get that speed boost and all that jazz. But the actual feedback you're getting, both from a visual sense and Probably through vibration in the controller. I I can't remember that specifically, but that feedback, physical and visual feedback, is a big part of what makes drifting in the Mario Kart game so satisfying. In inertial drift, there is nothing when you're drifting, you're letting out smoke from the tires and everything, but there is nothing that happens from drifting to not drifting. You don't build up any speed, you don't get like a boost when you stop drifting. You don't see any sparks flying. The vibration doesn't change. It doesn't build up or anything. And I I just wish there was some kind of feedback that made the drifting more satisfying than it is. Because when I'm on these really long drifts, it gets boring. Because it's just me watching my car turn and smoke come out of it. But nothing else is happening. I'm not getting anything out of it. I don't even feel like drifting outside of helping me make tight turns or 180 turns. I don't think drifting is really making me go any faster or making my time any better. It just is a mechanic of the game. And that is ultimately where Inertial Drift falls apart for me. I like the idea of it. I think it does control well mechanically. I think it really works using the right analogs to drift. It just is lacking that feedback that makes me want to keep doing it. It's a killer, but... I don't know if they'll change that. I think if they were planning to do something like that, it would have been in the early design documents. So I don't think they'll update it to add anything like that. But if they did, man, I'll come back and play it day one because that is the one criticism I have for the game. But it is a big criticism for me because it basically is what makes the game change from being potentially a lot of fun to just being pretty boring really quickly. Then Port Royale 4 is a trading simulation game where you are controlling a ship or multiple ships and you just go around this decently sized map trading goods between cities and stuff like that and there is a combat element to it but in my experience with it that is not a huge part of it and when that does happen it doesn't feel good. So, If you're looking at this game and you want more than just a trading simulation, you definitely should go elsewhere because that's just, while it's there, it's not that prevalent and when it is there, it's just not that good. But if you like just the simplicity of trading goods, buying them cheap, selling them high and stuff like that, and everything that comes with that, Port Royale 4 is a pretty solid experience. It feels good enough on a controller. It's definitely a little bit clunky but overall, it didn't hinder my experience too much, in part because it's not something where you have to worry about fast reflexes or anything like that. I do like the fact that the way you speed up and slow down the game clock is by zooming in or out. So when you zoom in really close, the game is moving very slowly. When you zoom way out, then the game is picking up speed. So if you chart a course for a new town, and you want to get there quickly, zoom all the way out, and then If you want to slow things down, whether that's because the battle's going on or what have you, you zoom in. But I do kind of wish there was a way to just pause it when you are zoomed out so you could just look around the map and maybe that option is there, but I'm just not entirely sure. But it's a solid little trading sim. I like these types of games. I talked about a similar-ish game, but one that has a lot more combat last week with Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. But yeah, I, I think Port Real 4... Is a solid game, and it's definitely geared towards a very specific crowd. I think it is a game that a lot of people could easily find boring, but someone like me, I find it very relaxing. I like the low stakes of it, and it's just something that I don't have to think too much about and can just go about trading goods and stuff like that. So if that is your fancy, if that sounds like your jazz then pick up a saxophone and start playing it. Baby, I don't know what the hell that was. I don't like it. I want to get out of here. Then the last game, or no, I played two more games. I played a little bit of Cook, Serve, Delicious 3, which maybe the first one of these games I've played, I feel like I've played maybe the second one on Switch. Or a game that is very similar to these types of games. But the way it works, and I just played a very little bit of it. I can only give out preview impressions anyway. But The way it works is definitely not my cup of tea at all. And I wasn't able to serve any cups of tea. I don't think I'll ever be able to serve cups of tea. I don't think I served any drinks. It was just food. So I'm just cooking. I guess you're not stewing and serving and deliciousing, but you have your little food truck and then you're going around from location to location. I think it's usually like three locations per level. And, You are doing orders that people are specifically asking you for and then having other foods on hand for people who are just walk-ins like, hey, I want a pretzel. I want some Cinnabons. I want this or that. But what kills it for me, one, I think it gets very difficult and hectic right off the bat. And I was just overwhelmed with the first non-tutorial level. And I was like, Jesus Christ. The second or not the second, the third area ruined me. I didn't even get a medal and I needed a medal to play the following level. There is a casual or a chill mode which makes it so that the customers will never get impatient but you only get up to a silver medal playing it that way but you can get through I'm assuming all of the game that way you just won't be able to get probably some achievements and stuff like that. I don't think there's any kind of leaderboard system so that is the only reason not to do it that way and maybe I'll play it again that way but the, the problem for me, ignoring how overwhelming it got for me right away, is that there's no form of creativity in terms of crafting these recipes and crafting these meals. And that got frustrated for me because the way you're setting up these meals, too, is just so structured and already planned. Like, so to create a grilled cheese sandwich, you have five or six steps, and then you start cooking it. But all it is is that you have a row of things that you press while holding the left trigger and then a row of things you press while holding the right trigger and you just press them in order. You don't have to think about it. You just press, okay, left trigger, A, X, B, Y, right trigger, A, X, and then you press A to start cooking. I'm like, well, I'm just doing this every single time. There are certain meals where they might ask you, like with ice cream, for instance, do they want the waffle cone to be chocolate dipped or not? And then what scoops of ice cream do they want? where you have to pay attention to what you're pressing and what you're putting in the ice cream cone. But ultimately, you're just pressing a lot of buttons, and that lack of creative freedom is just not my thing. And I think that is just a me thing, and people who like these games know the way they work, and they like the way they work, and they don't want that creative freedom. They want that speed, probably. I, I'm sure that a lot of people are like, you got overwhelmed that quickly? Man, it's not overwhelming at all. They They like that speed and that challenge. That's probably what a lot of people love in these games. It's about the speed of it all and getting things done quickly and being able to satisfy everyone in a level or whatever and, and doing all that. And for me, I want that freedom to create something and put it out there, deliver it and see if they like it or not. And I think a part of it too, is that in similar games I've played, you don't even have any control over the actual cooking of it in the sense that when you say are cooking a grilled cheese sandwich, to go back to the grilled cheese sandwich, you don't have to worry about how long you're cooking one side and then flipping it over or anything like that to like make it perfectly golden brown or maybe it's a little undercooked or anything like that. No, it's just an automated system. So you're basically just putting the steps in place and then letting the game do all the work for you. And that may be fun for some people. It is not fun for me. I was not enjoying the experience at all. And like I said, it became overwhelming. I'm like, all these people want all this shit and there's more people coming in. And I'm looking at these icons. I'm like, wait, what, why is this thing not working for them? And just like, yeah, it it just wasn't for me. Then the last game I played was active neurons Two, which is a really nice little puzzle game. It's basically a sliding block puzzle game where you want to reach the goal. So there'll be a little square or whatever that you want to reach. And then you're this square yourself. And then there will be various little walls in this 2d plane, essentially and you're just sliding yourself along all these things and trying to find the path in order to reach the exit. And it is very simple, but I enjoyed it. And it's one of those cheap $5 or so games that you can probably get all the achievements relatively easily. And it's just, it's a nice little puzzle game. If you like sliding puzzle games, Action Neurons 2 is worth checking out. It's $5. It's a good time. It'll give you a bunch of achievements. There is a reward thing going on right now on Xbox One for getting like 10,000 achievement points you get 10,000 reward points which is like $10 and then there's another one that gives you 2,000 points or 1,000 points there's the October thing that gives you 2,000 points like you can get a whole bunch of reward points right now so why not get games with easy achievements and Active Neurons 2 is such a game but yeah that will do it for this here episode of the pixelated sausage podcast once again I am your host, Marcus Ness. You all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, com, where you can find this podcast on Amazingly Baca and Attack the Backlog, all of which are available on podcast services across the globe. You can also check out the art I make on the site. And if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general, and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode. And I hope you have a wonderful wonderful rest of your day and an absolutely lovely week and-